Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. Joining me today are uh, our medical director, Dr. Rob Dixon. Kevin Crocker's on the board, and we do have a remote guest, Justin Hensley. Uh, Dr. Hensley is an emergency physician in South Texas, second time on the show for Justin. He uh, went to med school at East Tennessee State University. That's in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. I am from Williamsburg, Kentucky. Rarely do we get someone on the show who is anywhere near the vicinity of home. <laughs> he was uh, so super excited, I've, Justin, I've a, when he heard this. Man. I've got to plug that. That's uh, an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes away from home. Most everything is an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes away from Williamsburg, Kentucky. And Justin did his emergency medicine training at East Carolina. And again, is an EMS medical director in South Texas. Uh, you can catch him on Twitter at EBM Gone Wild. He's uh, lectured with Dr. Dixon and I at, at several TSEP uh, forums over the past several years as a, a trauma guy and an excellent lecturer, and we're happy to have him with us today. Thanks for joining us, Justin. Thanks for having me, guys. So today we're going to talk a little bit about another of our high-risk trauma procedures. We've had a recent podcast on field thoracostomy and our ET tube-assisted field thoracostomy here at MCHD. But also in the past year, we've developed, written, and implemented a traumatic field amputation protocol uh, here with the company. Dr. Dixon, tell us, tell us this was this was your idea. I sure. walked I walked in one day to uh, to a jiggly saw, and I admittedly really didn't know what was going on or where we were going. If if maybe he decided I had one too many legs or, yeah, or when he, what, what was going on. So <laughs> yeah, tell when, us. I, when I brought it up, I got a lot of strange looks and people are like, you want to do what? Um, yeah, don't we have a STEMI to, right, STEMI case to review? What are, we, yeah, what are so, we doing here? So tell us, so, tell us where that came from. Really, this came from our past experience here at MCHD prior to when I was the medical director. Um, we had an episode where it required a, a field uh, amputation of a uh, entrapped sick patient. Uh, and then really, more proximate, there was a case up in Dallas. So there was a, a gentleman who became trapped in some machinery with his lower extremity, was very ill, hypotensive, and, and could not be uh, extricated. And in that case, they flew a surgeon to the scene, did the field amputation, flew the patient back to the, back to the trauma center. And so really that kind of piqued my, my interest of, you know, this should not be an everyday procedure by any stretch, you know, any means. But it is emergency medicine. Wouldn't it be better if we had an organized training and plan um, to, to implement this and to get this done? Shouldn't we have some, some guideline on who should do it, when they should do it, and how we should do it, and then some, some appropriate training? We had Cadaver Lab coming up for simple thoracostomy. Thought, I thought it, it melded in pretty well. So, Justin, can you talk a little bit about any experience you have with field amputation? I know you have a really extensive wilderness background. Yeah, so, you know, there's, there's certainly been a few high-profile cases of field amputation. I mean, we've got um, a lot of cotton fields out here, and we've got a lot of farm equipment that ends up uh, tangling people's extremities into it in the rural areas. There was certainly a, uh, a famous case of uh, a wilderness hiker who had to traumatically amputate his own arm after a rock fell on it. It's, it's something that, you know, sounds like it's a, a big deal, but in general, you know, if, if you're deciding to remove that limb, it's probably already mangled beyond repair anyway. 
um, and probably already hurts. The the biggest hurdle is a getting people to want to do it um, and not feel like they're they're making a choice of a bad decision. And then it's pain control. You know, you, this this thing is really going to hurt. Um, and you know, just look at the uh, how how would you sedate and uh, control the pain of the patient? Are you intubating and uh, knocking all these people out before you do it or what? So that's what I would ask you guys. Yeah. I mean, our, our clinical guidelines is, is pretty straightforward. You know, I, I would agree in case you could chime in here. When we got into this, I kind of thought back to, to medical school and residency and doing amputations and kind of a fish mouth and leaving tissue there to close it and this and that. When in fact, when we train with our local trauma surgeon, Dr. Tim Hodges, who's the chief of trauma at Memorial Hermann down here in, in the woodlands, he said, you boys are overthinking this, right? You use this giggly saw and cut the leg off very as proximate to the uh, injury as possible to, to maintain as much viable tissue. You want to maintain as much viable tissue. Casey, you want to talk about our approach to anesthetic for these patients? Yeah, so I think Justin hit the nail on the head, right? If you're going to amputate a limb, you know that that's a that's a tough decision to make number one because you've got to decide that it's not that the patient is not able to be extricated and it's not salvageable and that the only way to stop the bleeding and save the patient is to perform that amputation and then when you make that decision you know these patients are you know the case reports that are out there uh, by and large they're awake you know oftentimes awake and alert and so that's that's a big step to take so i think this is not one that you want to dance around with small doses of benzodiazepines or a little bit of uh, fentanyl or morphine this is one that we wrote into our protocol and and thankfully we have extensive history and experience with ketamine here at mchd and we wrote our protocol to require full sedation dose ketamine in these patients to control their their pain and to make them you know amnestic and provide as much analgesia as possible right and the clinical guideline i'll just kind of run through it which is what's the indication the indication is a a entrapment with some type of hemodynamic instability and unable to extricate the patient and the second would be entrapment where there is no other means of freeing the patient uh, fire rescue has no other means of freeing the patient um, besides amputation. It is only authorized. I think this is the most important part of this. It's only authorized by the medical director or the associate medical director or our designee. So what that means is, is that if one of us is immediately available, we will go to the scene, assist in the procedure and have one of the medics do the anesthetic or our designee, we've trained with our local trauma surgeons. We will send a crew over to pick up our local trauma surgeon. The benefit there I can really see is A, you have expertise. Um, I don't amputate a bunch of limbs and the trauma surgeons do. Uh, and availability of blood products because they do have blood in, as it, the, in the Dallas case I was referring to earlier, they did fly some blood out for the patient uh, as well. And just real quick, I'll make sure that clear to the listeners out there, our preferred uh, pathway to take is to have the trauma surgeon Correct. on scene with us. I think both to help us make that difficult decision, um, I think from, from the standpoint of having as many eyes uh, and heads together saying, yes, this needs to happen because it's a very, very, you know, that's an impactful decision to make. And, you know, the more people that can stand beside me and say, yep, I agree. Yep, I agree. That's especially someone that has more experience with these with these procedures. Uh, I'm I'm all for that. Right. And I would put the caveat on that of someone that you have trained in this procedure with and you're all on board with. Um, 
I think that ultimately the, the decision, it has to be the medical director of the service, has to be the final decision maker and the authorizer of this procedure um, in consultation with our surgical colleagues that hopefully we've pre-planned with. And, and in Montgomery County, we have pre-planned with our, our uh, trauma staff here. I think that, yeah, and that's a good, that's a good point to lead me into the next question. And I want to toss this bo- to both of you. Uh, as far as advanced procedures like traumatic amputation, we talked about thoracostomy in a, in a, a prior podcast. You know, these are, these are really advanced pre-hospital procedures to be performing. And there's definitely the risk there that feathers can be ruffled when receiving hospitals, uh, trauma services, aren't familiar with this or maybe not maybe they aren't in full agreement with with paramedics performing these procedures so what steps Justin in your services uh, Dr. Dixon here at MCHD what kind of steps have have you taken to ensure cooperation and buy-in from the surrounding specifically the trauma services but the surrounding medical community and your receiving hospitals I'll go with uh, it's very politically charged you know there's a bunch of landmines you have to watch out there's a lot of uh you don't call them egos but a lot of uh you know every doctor thinks the way they practice is the best way and so if you practice a different way and then give them a patient that they then have to manage they don't like that typically uh, they prefer to do it their own way. And it has taken a lot of meetings, uh, both with the RAC and with the trauma medical director here. Uh, we've only got the one facility um, in our local area. And then beyond that, they're flying air to either San Antonio or to Houston, actually. Uh, and ours is only level two. But it, it still, you know, when, I, when I'm having these meetings, I, I discuss it with them as, as you know, it, it, these aren't ultimatums, but it's, using John Hinn's personal edict of, if you're doing it, make sure your intentions are noble. I mean, I had to explain to him that we're not cutting holes in people's chests that are awake and talking and alert and things like that. We're not removing limbs that could have been fixed with a simple jaws of life weight. You know, this these events are really big. The, the only time you amputate a limb is when you've got something you can't physically remove or you're not gonna be able to remove for hours, right? Something that weighs 10,000 tons or some bizarrely heavy thing that you can't remove. You know, we can move cars around really easily. These are, these are big, heavy things and making them understand that we go through the training and showing the training protocols to get them on board. And they still sometimes have ruffled feathers and, and like to say, well, why did you do this? Um, I don't think they needed that, but that happens no matter what we do. So, um, you just kind of have to roll with it, but make sure that they, that they know that why you're doing it is, is for good reasons. Right. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, buy-in with the community, you're not always going to get 100% buy-in from everybody. You're always going to have exactly right. Some uh, physician that doesn't practice CMS medicine that thinks it ought to have been done a, a different way. How we tried to ameliorate that and, and attack that problem is just relationship building with our, or we have two, we're very lucky in Montgomery County to have two level two trauma centers that are, are really turnkey that have been fantastic for us up here. Uh, and we have a very close relationship with both chiefs of trauma from those services to discuss all of our guidelines with and get their input. As well, one of the things that we've done, which I really think is uh, has been of great benefit, is we have a quarterly trauma conference where the trauma centers bring uh, cases, usually uh, three to four cases. We have a two-hour conference, and we have a couple of air medical cases. And then we present, our, all of our medics really like it, it's a chance for all of us to sit in the same room, the medical directors, the ED directors, 
uh, the trauma guys and all the medics and talk about these cases and walk through them and, and then be able to actually uh, have the trauma surgeons there to ask some questions uh, about the cases and to share things back and forth and concerns. I think that's been enormously helpful. Yeah, when we, when we see them basically monthly, uh, it gives them the opportunity to A, know us, uh, to B, know our training expectations and our training protocols. Um, you know, for thoracostomy, for example, when we rolled that out initially at MCHD, only the highest level paramedics were, were trained and certified in performing the procedure. Uh, whereas now we've, we've increased our, our training capabilities and we've, we've expanded that. And that's, again, been in conjunction and in communication with those, with those trauma surgeons. Yeah, I think some was the feedback. One of the, the biggest feedbacks we got during the trauma conferences, uh, would you guys stop putting these needles in all these places because they never end up, they, A, they don't work, and B, they never end up where you think they're ending up. And, and amputation, sort, sort of the same, same progression, right? We, we want to involve the trauma surgeons and have them on scene if possible. If they're not there, then uh, Dr. Dixon and I will be the, the physician performing the procedure. And if we are also unavailable, then under our, under our direction, our designees, again, our highest, our highest trained paramedics will be the ones performing the procedure. So there's a, there's a hierarchy, there's, a, uh, there's a, a structure in place to assign these high-risk procedures, and we have our trauma surgeons buy in on those. And again, I think it all goes back to relationships. Right. And I think it's like disaster pre-planning, right? I mean, we have certain threats, certain things that we know at some point we're going to encounter, we've encountered here before. Why not have some plan in place and have everybody on board so there's no surprises as to what the response is going to be? And I, th I think that uh, both trauma services have been extraordinarily uh, helpful and supportive and um, in the process and, and assisting with us. Excellent. Well, that's a that's a great spot, I think, for us to wrap this one up. Again, thanks thanks to Dr. Hensley for joining us remotely today. Thanks, Dr. Dixon and Kevin, for running the board. If you guys have questions about our protocols or about our podcast in general or want to throw rotten eggs at us, please do it via the, the podcast email. And we will talk to you guys again soon. Thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.